and it starts there. It starts inside before it goes outside. And, and, and I think that God, and this isn't in my notes, so forgive me, Angela, but um, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says this, it says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before Him, uh, before hi- the eyes of Him whom we must give account. What it's saying here is that what's going on inside matters. God sees what's going inside and He cares about not just the actions but why we do the actions how we process the thoughts how we process uh, how, how we process any delivery why we do things why we think things it matters and it's it, it has eternal value which we're going to see here because the scripture I really want to open with this this pat this this concept of the fruit of the spirit, right through the New Testament in particular, it's really clear. And I could have we we could preach, use any uh, any number of passages as our anchor passage for this series. But we've chosen to use Galatians chapter five because it's actually where really where the phrase has been coined, fruit of the spirit. And th- this this f- fruit of the spirit is so it's right through scripture. But what we want to do is we want to actually pull out what it is, why it is, and how we can walk in a way that pleases God. And the scripture I want to start with, it comes just after Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 6. So in verse 7, it says this, Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever plows that's a good word, whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So what we're going to have a look at now is we're going to have a look at the flesh and we're going to look at the Spirit and, and we're going to take a bit of a journey. To start with, and as we're understanding here, that first passage I read from Hebrews, it says that the Word of God is even able to divide between soul and spirit. So what we can actually see already from that passage is that your soul and your spirit are unique individual aspects or attributes or parts of who you are. And there is a third part of who you are, and it's called the flesh or the body. To properly understand it, it's this. You are a spirit. You are a spirit. You have a soul, and you live in a body. Now, this is where it gets really interesting. A passage that Pastor Mel and Pastor Adele both worked out of uh, over the last couple of weeks is, is 2 Corinthians 5.17 where it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. And that introduces a whole heap of tension that the Scripture presents to us, especially us faith people, especially us, us Word of God, Bible-believing people, because there are so many apparent contradictions as we read this passage that are explained if we can understand this process of you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. If we're able to get that down and understand it, a lot of the scripture makes sense. So, you are a new creation. The old has gone, the new is here. Well, excuse me, the day I came to Christ, 
is what this is talking about, this reborn experience. Jesus spoke to Nicodemus and uh, explained in John chapter 3. It says, you must be born again. And what he's talking about is you must have that fresh start, that fresh encounter with God, that, that, that do-over, if you like, in life. And if you've never made that commitment and that decision to become born again, we'll give you an opportunity to do that at the end of this service. But what that's talking about is a reborn spirit, a brand new spirit, a new creation. And well, there's a lot of scriptures that don't make sense if we don't understand that. So there's this cool passages and these promises in the Bible are awesome, except we read them and we're like, well, where can I cash that check? Like read this, second, uh, 1 Peter 2.24. He himself bore our sins. It's talking about Jesus uh, bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Excuse me, when I got born again, when I first made my commitment to follow Christ, when I got my fresh start, I didn't suddenly have every injury I've got just boom, gone. I didn't have every ailment I experienced just boom, gone. But it says here my wounds have been, past tense, healed. It's done. And I'm like, so what I'm experiencing and what the Bible's saying don't seem to be congruent unless we can understand that the born again is your brand new spirit, and it's perfect. It is flawless. There's another passage here. It says, and this is where it sort of helps us to understand it a little bit better. Hebrews 10, 14 says this, For by one sacrifice he has made, past tense, perfect, made, past tense, forever those who are being made holy or perfect. Saying here, he has already done, what he's doing. He's already done what he's doing. And for us to be able to live with our feet on earth and our head in heaven, we have to be able to accept that tension. We have to be able to walk in that with, with that understanding. And so that's what the Bible, when it was, the Bible talks about walking by faith, that's actually part of what it's talking about. Walking by faith is... Accepting the reality, heaven's reality, while experiencing earth's present condition. And really where faith comes into it is actually pulling heaven's reality to earth. So as we've got this understanding that we are perfect, you are perfect, but your experience on earth is far from perfect. And so it's like, how do we... How do we navigate that? And then this is where the fruit of the Spirit starts to come into it because the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, which I'll quickly read to you just to give you a tiny little glimpse of what exactly we're talking about. Galatians 5.22 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Uh, those who belong to Christ... Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the manifesting behaviors. But remember that God isn't interested in their manifesting behaviors as much as He's interested in the motives dividing between the soul and the Spirit on the inside. So the fruit is not purely what's expressed. The fruit is actually what is inside. Fruit, the, this fruit of the Spirit is actually the nature of God. That's what it is. 
Colossians 3 talks about it in a different way, but it says much the same thing. And we even look at uh, 1 Corinthians 13, the wedding scripture, and it says that love, and then it goes on to describe the attributes of love. And these are all, uh, they're all basically the same characteristics of this fruit of the Spirit. And it's actually defining love as those characteristics. So it's really what it's talking about is God is like this, you be like this. And as we are navigating the, the, that command, that instruction, this is what the godly life looks like. We can't do it by our own effort. If we're trying to do it by our own effort, Hebrews 4 tells us God's really looking at why you're trying to do that by your own effort. And then if we understand anything about fruit, now I'm no horticulturalist. I have a wonderful brown thumb. Only Karen got it. One person got it. One person got it. A brown thumb as opposed to a green thumb for those who are struggling. But I do know that fruit comes from the root. It starts a plant, grows, and then it expresses fruit. And, and so where we're, at, where we're left with is understanding that the fruit is a manifestation of what is going on inside. Fruit is a manifestation or an expression or an outworking of what is going on internally. And if it's a fruit of the Spirit, it has to be a work of the Spirit to generate fruit of the Spirit. That means you can be doing those things and they are not the fruit of the Spirit because if it's not the Spirit generating it in you, you are a good person, a nice person, but it is not the fruit of the Spirit. It is different. One of the things that we can understand with the fruit of the Spirit is that it's independent of circumstances, which we're going to get to in a little while. But contrasting the fruit of the Spirit is what the Bible calls the earthly nature. Remember I was saying Colossians 3. You could just as easily teach this whole series from Colossians 3 as well as Galatians 5. But it starts to talk about this earthly nature, and it says, Colossians 3, 5 says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Galatians 5 puts it like this. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So desires of the flesh, uh, earthly nature, other places call it sinful nature. There are all these different names for what is essentially, you are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. Your body is your flesh. Your body is your carnality. If, if you like, it's your connection to earth in the sense that it's where it pulls you in the earth's direction, in, in the earth's direction. It's almost like animalistic in its desires. And where we are, our spirit is tied to God, which is a spiritual connection, where when the Bible talks about don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, it's actually, in large part, it's talking about conforming to the way animals live. Animals are trained by fear. Their whole, everything about the way wild animals live is 100% based on fear and survival. We are to live by the Spirit, which is generated by love and trust and faith and believing we have this provider rather than having to get everything ourselves and survive. So when people are doing the right thing, it's not generated by the Spirit, they're actually still doing it as a survival mechanism so that people will like them, so that they will be accepted, so they won't be rejected. 
and what God's saying is that can't be where you're coming from. It can't be there. Anyway, so we're looking at this. It says, the desires of the... So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with, with each other. So you are not to do whatever you want. What do animals do? Whatever they want. The only way you stop an animal doing something that they want is you make it want something else more. It's called training. My dog likes snackos and it doesn't like schmackos. Are they the same thing? Schmack. And they, we train the animal. But what God's calling us to is, is, is actually saying, getting to a place where we prefer the leading of the Holy Spirit over the longings and the desires of our flesh. Your flesh is pretty simple. It likes food, sex, and sleep. That's your flesh. Where God is interested in growing, he's interested, he's interested in loving, he's interested in helping people, he's interested in, and all the good stuff comes with it. There's nothing wrong with those other things, but they're not the, they're not the driver. They're part of life. They're not the driver. Where for an animal, they're the drivers. For somebody that's living not connected to the Spirit, they're the drivers. So what God's calling us to is to let go of that as our driver, as those carnal desires as our driving force, and to start to use the leading of the Holy Spirit as our driving force. So we're looking here, and it says here, the acts of the flesh, do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And then it goes here, it says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. I love this description because it does one thing, and it fully... I've heard people saying, well, that person's got a spirit of lust. They do. That's why... And someone who might be having the thoughts... And they might be looking at things they shouldn't be looking at, perhaps on the computer or on the television. And, it's, you know, they want to get hands laid on them for their spirit of lust. But that's not what this calls it here. This calls it the act of the flesh or the desires of the flesh. It's not a spirit of anything. It's your carnal nature pulling you in the same way as no one has a spirit of McDonald's. You don't ever ask anyone to get the spirit of McDonald's cast out of them. The spirit of Hungry Jacks, the spirit of Uber Eats. Just got to get that off me in Jesus' name. Because it's not there. It's the, it just what it is, all of it is, your flesh is too strong. Your flesh is too strong. Do you remember we started by, t- by reading a scripture that said, sowing to the flesh or sowing to the spirit? Feeding one or feeding the other. Fueling one or fueling the other. Growing and developing one, strengthening one or strengthening the other. Whichever is stronger will rule you. You can have a 100% born again, going to heaven spirit. A soul that's absolutely polluted by the flesh. Horrible life. Love Jesus. 
can't get anything under control, probably still go to heaven, though there is a little bit of caveat here because it says won't inherit the kingdom of heaven. Mm. It matters. Don't blame me, blame Paul. But what this introduces is accountability. And it introduces possibility. It teaches us here, we can conquer the acts of the flesh. And other places, like if we read through in Colossians 3, it talks about putting to death those things. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to the earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Put to death. How do we put to death? We starve it. We put it to death by strengthening our spirit man. Now, what's cool about the strengthening the spirit man, Pastor Mel and Pastor Adele both spoke about this, the abiding, the abiding in God and, and spending time in the spirit, spending time in prayer, that actually fuels where we want to go. But, but, this, look at this here, Colossians 3, put to death. Doesn't sound like fun, does it? It sounds a bit painful, really. You know, like, I could have rephrased it, put to sleep. You know, go send to the farm, live on a farm. But no, put to death. And in other places it talks about crucifying. Crucifying, which is the way our Lord died, but was also the most painful and excruciating form of execution known to one of the most barbaric people of all time. And it's saying crucify the flesh. It talks about doing what it takes to cut off the driver. And that's one of the pa- why fasting so powerful. It just takes the flesh off the throne. The most essential parts of what the flesh screams for. It just says, no, not today, thank you. Not today. Now, I want us to really start to have a look at the just some real nuts and bolts of this fruit because it as much as it's fueled by God it's executed by us you are perfect and I'm talking God has done everything possible remember we already started by saying Oh no, we haven't started. So this is what I wanted to read here in First Peter, Second uh, Peter, sorry, one verse three says this: His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and goodness. Through through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you might participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires divine nature evil desires fruit of the spirit desires of the flesh you see the contrast here this is in second peter so right through the new testament we're constantly presented with these with, with these two opposing forces and we're constantly drawn to encounter god in the way that the fruit manifests in our lives but it says here he's done it he's given past tense 
everything we need for a godly life. So that through them, you may participate in the divine nature. But that word participate is a highly active word. It's a highly active verb. It means you've got to do stuff. You've got to do stuff. You know what I want? I'm like, I really probably need to lose about 10 kilos. If you don't know, I have to agree so strongly. But I have to do stuff. I want to get me a magic pill. Go, I've even asked my doctor. I said, doctor, is there some sort of a pill you can give me that makes me lose weight? And he's like, yes. Well, so that, uh, <laughs> he said, what's that company you ring up and they deliver certain amounts of food and you've got to eat with portions? I'm like, it's not a pill. He's like, I want an easy solution. I don't want to have to participate. I just want the outcome. And but it says here you have to participate. And this participation, you remember we're talking about faith. Faith is a head in heaven, feet on the ground. Faith is believing that what God said he's done, he's done. But there's this really inconvenient scripture. In Hebrews it says, without, without works, faith without works is dead. If you don't do it, you don't actually have faith. If you don't execute, if you don't participate, you don't have faith. It's called belief. Like, I believe that eating too much McDonald's is bad for me. Oh, I believe it. I'll tell you all about it. I know it. Do I have faith about that? Well, my actions might say different. The outcome steps <laughs> definitely say different. But it's this participate. We, we have to participate. And, and one of the things that we're challenged with, and, and uh, this is the uh, Colossians 3, which is just such a perfect sister passage to Galatians 5 in understanding this fruit of the Spirit and the desires of the flesh, really starts to teach us about this participation. So listen to this. Verse 18 says this, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Verse 19, which you'll notice is after verse 18. So first God's instruction is to a wife and he's saying, live like this with your husband. Number one point. Number two point, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Number one point, moving on to verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Number two point, fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. So we've got these two, pa- these two clear instructions. Wives, submit to your husbands. Children, obey your parents. Now, I've heard different ones talking and say, well, you haven't met my husband. Well, so it doesn't matter. You'll notice that that is point one, which actually means do that first. And it doesn't actually say do that if husband does that. Faith is executing what the Bible says regardless of the external, what we see, the pressures. It's, it's, it's what it says. Children, obey your parents. Yeah, but you haven't met my parents. Well, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say it. It just says do it. Execute. That's all it's saying. And then the instructions to the parent, which he may or may not comply with, but that does not remove the responsibility to manifest the fruit that's instructed, that's called. And this is how it works. 
This is how it works. There is no quid pro quo. God, if you do this, I'll do that. No, no, God says, do this, and I'll do that. Like, there's no, you know, scratch my back, I'll scratch yours with God. Like, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And this passage, which we're going to finish with when I get there again, it says that, he's a rewa- that he will reward us. But it doesn't... <laughs> Jesus, on his worst day, and I've heard Pastor Malcolm share this hundreds of times, as we've done presentations to people who, most of, a lot of them who don't know Christ. It's talking about the character that God wants to develop in people. Even the worst drug addict, even the worst criminal, God can turn around and, and put this fruit in, his, in them. He can put his nature in them. And if they cooperate, if they participate, they can express the nature of God. And Pastor Malcolm, when he would talk to these parents typically of young people who are so far from him, he would say, this is how he explained it, he says, this is character. Jesus on his worst day, they were spitting on him, they were beating him, they nailed him to a cross on that day. Hanging from that cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That is is fruit. That is character. That is the nature of God. That is what we're called to manifest. On that day, we are pulling out that fruit. So we're looking here at some of this fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And if you're anything like me, you're probably good at some, not so good at others. I'm pretty good at all of these, Mel, I would say. <laughs> Don't you think? Doesn't have self-awareness there, so maybe. But there are times where we will find ourselves slipping here. Love. Love is one that we can easily fool ourselves with. We really easily fool ourselves thinking we're expressing love or that we have the fruit of love because we know that we actually do love them. But that doesn't mean that that fruit is manifesting in your life. Is the way you're living communicating that you love them? Some of you might be, well, I did the laundry. I love them. Well, I'm working. How many hours a week bringing in the, you know, I love them. Well, is that what they're hearing? Is that what it looks like? Is that the actual experience? Are people exp- is that the fruit people are eating? Maybe it's super unripe fruit, which, you know, let's just call a spade a spade. That's not palatable. It's a bit pointless. It's fruit in development. Cool. I'm glad you're doing those things. You know what the Bible says? It says even pagans do that. So it's like, that's not what it's talking about. Joy. 
I've got the joy of the Lord down in my heart. Yeah, just get it to your face. Get up. Get it to your face. Because some people do everyone a favor. Don't let them know you're a Christian. Probably the best outreach you could possibly do is not let people know you serve God or you call yourself a Christian because you, you look like you've got a miserable life and, and people aren't going to want that. But joy is a fruit. Joy is a fruit. There's, you, you ever want to like look at some of the heroes of faith? Corey Ten Boom is one of the people I would just su- suggest so strongly that you explore her life. This is an amazing woman who went through the concentration camps in World War II and just talking about this expression of joy and how that didn't stop the manifestation of the fruit. She's in a concentration camp where they're killing people en masse purely because of her heritage. And she's still loving, she's still forgiving, she's still being kind. Sort of rules out all of your excuses. Well, the kids aren't ready. Well, my husband's left his socks. Well, I'm going to stay away from other things that I was going to use as an example. (laughs) Maybe I'll stay in my lane. But what it's doing is it's removing excuses. It's removing excuses. Like, it just doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. You don't have an excuse. You, you just don't have an excuse. And any time you find yourself making an excuse, hey, right there, just don't, don't judgment, no condemnation. Just, hey, whoa, what am I trying? I'm actually walking in the flesh, and I'm trying to justify it. Okay, thank you for that little warning. Like, thank you for that highlighting that, Lord. Take a step back. Hey, Hey, I'm sorry for being like that. And it could even be open in communication because love doesn't mean being a doormat. Love actually means helping people. But how you help people matters. You can help people in a loving way or you can help people in a self-serving way. Some of the times you're trying to help people, what you're actually trying to do is help them, not upset you. Most of the time you're trying to help people is to help them, not upset you. And that's different. That's not love. That's control. That's not love. Love is, hey, I want you to have a great life. This isn't going to help you have a great life. And they're different. And so what I, want, what I really think God's calling and speaking to us about this morning is we must participate. Yeah, thanks, Karen, if you guys hop up. We must participate in this. Because as much as it's a spiritual thing, as much as we need to be plugged into the source, as much as we need to be abiding, as much as we need to be praying in tongues, we need to be in church, we need to be ri- reading the Bible, we have to be doing these things, we also have to be participating. We have to be cooperating with what God's doing. He's not going to do it for you. Sometimes I'm like, Jesus, will you just use me like a puppet? I'm here, I'm 100% available to you. I just want to be used by you, but I want him to do it for me. And he's like, yeah, Jacob, you're 100%. I'll give you everything. You can do this. So, but first you need to die. Flesh has to die. Crucify the flesh. What did we say earlier? Put to death. Therefore. Whatever belongs to the earthly nature. And can I just tell you guys from experience, dying hurts. Dying's hard. But it's worth it. It's necessary. And you come out the other side, and this is where I wanted to finish with here, is Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. The passage I read right at the start, it says, Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. 
A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the fruit, from the spirit, uh, sorry, whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If we do not give up, there's a promise here that you will reap if you do not give up. But do you know one of the, this is probably a recent discovery for me. Some of you probably read this and understood it first time. But for me, it took me about 20 years. But it says here, don't be deceived, God cannot be mocked. And I always read that to say, you know what, like you can't get away with sin. And that's true, and that is part of what it means. But do you know what it also means? You can't get away with doing good without getting a reward. It says you're actually being an idiot if you think you can be doing good stuff for God right motives, doing the right thing, and not get rewarded. He says, that's dumb. He's like, if you're there just happily serving God, loving people, he says, it's, you're actually way off base if you think God's not going to reward you. And I just think that we need to appreciate that God is a good God. He loves his kids. He wants the best for us. And where some of these passages can seem really hard, and we're talking about putting to death the earthly nature. We're understanding, we're laying down things that are so strong that it's better. You're going to like it more. Do you know there's a passage that says his will is good, pleasing, and perfect? It's good. It's pleasing. You're going to like it. And it's perfect. It can't be improved on. And that's the God that we serve. And, and a little bit earlier I said that if you haven't started that experience with God, that walk with God, that I was going to give you that opportunity. So I'm just going to invite just everyone to just bow their head and close their eyes. We're going to pray a simple prayer. And what we're going to do is we're going to ask God to give us that fresh start, to forgive us of our sins, and just to give us a fresh start in Him. So just I'm going to have the whole church just repeat after me. If you've prayed this prayer before, then I just encourage you just to join in and just, just pray it as a celebration of what God's done. But if you've never prayed this, this is the most important moment of your life, bar none. Maybe you've prayed it a long time ago, but if you're honest with yourself, you are very far from God right now. It's time to come home. God is ready and willing to take you home, to bring you back. So we're going to pray this prayer. I'm just going to repeat after me and just pray it and mean it with all of your heart. Right, repeat after me, church. Dear God, today I choose to follow you. Forgive me for living life my own way. Help me to live life that you're calling me to. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, just while every head's still bowed and every eye's still closed, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, we believe you got born again. We believe God did a miracle in your heart. And if that was you, I just invite you just to slip your hand in the air just so I can see it because I want to pray with you personally in a little while, a little bit after the service. So if that's you, I just would invite you to put your hand in the air. Yeah, I see that hand there.
If you're online and you prayed that prayer for the first time, I want you to get in touch with us and we'll give you some resources to help you on your journey. I'm going to pray for us as a church and I'm going to seal this series because I think that God knew what he was doing when he put it together. I think it was an important building block in our church. And to be very honest, it's been a privilege to be a part of it. And I feel it's even been a privilege to be in the service for throughout this series. And if you missed any of the messages, you need to go back and listen to them. I'm going to pray for us that God would seal this message so that we could produce fruit that will last. Lord, I just lift up this congregation to you, Lord God, and I include myself in this prayer, God, that you would truly, truly, truly bear fruit in our lives, Lord. That we would be people who are led by the Spirit and are, uh, have the fruit of the Spirit as a, an evidence in our lives, God. We would be men and women and children who would manifest this love and this joy and this peace, peace and this patience and this kindness and this goodness and this self-control, Lord God, that that would be markers of our lives. That would be markers of your church. Lord, that that would be a marker of your church. The joy and the peace that we would walk in, Lord God, would be the same as that Christ walked in. Lord, we would be known for our self-control. We would be known for our patience, Lord God. We would be known for our kindness, for our acts of generosity. Lord, that this fruit wouldn't just, you say, not to, to, to put our light under a bushel, Lord God, under a basket, but let it shine, Lord God. You say you put a city on a hill to be seen for miles, Lord, that that would be us. And that the world would eat your fruit, Lord God, this fruit of the Spirit, Lord, and that, would, that, would, that would hunger and thirst after you, Lord. Holy Spirit, that you just would just fuel us, Lord God. We want to please you, Lord God. We want to please you, Father. We want to live a life that pleases you. And we thank you and we welcome the reward that comes for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, we're just going to worship and just invite you to stand to your feet and, and, and just, just let God minister to you. I believe God was speaking to all of us throughout that, throughout that message and there are different parts of it that I know He highlighted to you in each person. So we just while we're worshiping, just let God minister to you. If anyone would like prayer for anything, sickness in your body or anything at all, uh, please come forward and we'd love to pray with you. Let's just worship church.